The legends are true. But overwhelming power! The sauce of destiny. Yes! The most legendary sauce has arrived as McDonald's transforms into the anime world of Wickdonald's. The greatest flavors unite in all new savory chili McDonald's sauce to make your 10-piece Nuggets, fries, and Sprite ultra-powerful. Unlock manga comics with every meal and sit down for a new anime short every week only at Wickdonald's. Ba-da-ba-ba-ba, go! I participate in McDonald's for a limited time while supplies last. Hey everyone, it's Michelle Williams, and I love being able to share my story with you on my podcast, Checking In with Michelle Williams, where my guests and I, we get real as we share the ups and downs of our mental health journeys, and I'd love for you to join me. Hey, it's going to be your church and your turn up. So listen to Checking In with Michelle Williams every Tuesday, a part of the Black Effect on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. SportsGrid.com. Betting insights and entertainment at your fingertips 24-7 as our team covers the most important topics in sports wagering. Real-time odds, predictive betting models, expert picks, and more. Want the edge? Then get on the grid. SportsGrid.com. You're on. It's pain-free Friday for Bell on the bench, coast to coast in the biggest way possible. Hanging out. The bad seed, a broken hater, bad apple with a bad attitude, hanging around a bunch of bad actors, bad taste, bad life, bad dude, bad breath, bad attention, bad vibes. We are live in the Ferrella Palatial right across the river and through the woods from where Granny likes rolling up blunts before she goes golfing on the holiday weekend and drinking wine out in public in New York City. The Big Apple, ooh. People dressed in plastic bags, directed driving, some kind of fashion, shake it up, should do but All my friends that come around, flats and flats, a party up, rats on the west side, bed bugs uptown. What a mess, this town's tatter. My brain's splattered all over Manhattan, should do be shake it up. Hey, what's gigging? I'm Pharrell with Mafia and the great Joe Ranieri in South FLA with all of that gorgeous hunk and hunk. Time for the birthday roll call. Here we go. Uh, I thought the names were weak today until I got to the bottom, so I'm going to start there. Two of my favorite golfers of all time, Raymond Floyd, 78, Tom Watson, my boy, 71, Doyle Alexander, 70, Frank White, a great Kansas City Royal, 70, John Van Beesbrook, 57, and my buddy Mike Piazza, 52. I love Piazza. He's been on the bench a lot, and he loves heavy metal, and he loves playing drums. There you go. And the rest will be evicted from the birthday roll call. Happy birthday to you. Yeah. All right, so we're going to get into basketball, obviously. Ananobi with a last-second bomb three with .5 left. What an inbounds play from Lowry over Taco Ferrella Fall. All seven foot five of him deep into the corner. Ananobi, uh, yes, with the bomb to win it for the Raptors. We'll hear the play. We'll hear from Ananobi. You're going to get it all on here. We're going to hear from Kemba Walker. I thought he went off in that game, hitting all kinds of clutch shots, driving to the baseline, step back, teardrop, rainbow popper. You got to be kidding me. We'll get into some Brad Stevens on this C2C. Plus, the Nuggets get rolled. I told you on Coast to Coast they would get whacked. I laid the eight. Clippers destroy them. The game was over in a second. And we'll hear from Malone. We'll hear from Kawhi, who busted off a 29 chip last night. Tonight's games. 
Bucks Heat Game 3 coming up 6.30 Eastern. And then the Rockets and Lakers Game 1. How delicious is that tonight when you get Pharrell on the bench and that game going on at the same time? I mean, that is just fantastic. Will the Lakers' size be too much? According to those that think they know, the NBA ratings are up since the boycott. We'll talk John Morant, rookie of the year. Chauncey, Mafia knows a Chauncey's a four-point shot in my driveway. You got threes in the NBA. You got fours in Pharrell's driveway. What's more fun? Fours, of course. Chauncey! He wants a head coaching gig. Mets, come back. The polar bear with a walk-off jack to left to beat the Yankees. You knew it was going to happen. The Yankees were up 4 nothing, and they lose again. The Yankees are on the clock for being close to toast. And at least they get Glyber Torres back this weekend. The Phillies are still on fire. Harper's on the show today. Clayton Kershaw went over 2,500 career strikeouts last night. Clevenger pitched a gem, but still lost. Padres get blanked. We'll get into some Altuve, Bryant, Yelich, bad seasons today on Coast to Coast. Acuna back for the Bravos tonight. I think he's uh, been out since last Sunday with that injury. We'll talk about all of today's games. 20 baseball games on a Friday. What is going on? It's chaos. David Shane covers the Golden Knights for the Vegas Review Journal. They got a game seven tonight after Vancouver lit them up last night. We'll break it down with David Shane. Flash hit the Islanders in double overtime. We'll hear from Barzal. We'll hear from Prokhorov. He had the game winner, and now they'll go to game seven tomorrow. Oscar Lindblom back after cancer in December. He was on the ice. They were tapping sticks. We'll hear from Peter DeBoer. We got it all going on. Plus, how about this? Av Stars dropping the puck in about two minutes. Game seven there. Will Dallas choke? NHL planning mandatory inclusion and diversity training uh, for all players as part of their further anti-racism initiatives. We welcome in all of our radio affiliates, sportsgridradio.com. Get the Sports Grid Radio app. You get it free. You can listen to every show on Sports Grid, plus Sports Grid Radio overnights for all events, Sports Rage, Bagels, Bad Beats. You get all the shows, plus subscribe free to our YouTube page. You can watch us do the radio shows. It's awesome. All right, John DeSilva will join us from Parks. He's the early morning odds maker, getting ready for the Kentucky Derby on Saturday. Did you even know that it was happening? I told you about it Wednesday. I told you about it Thursday. You still don't care. (laughs) But I like betting on the ponies, so let's get it on with John DeSilva. If the Big Ten does want to play this fall, they have to release the schedule by next Saturday. If the Big Ten and Pac-12 do push things off, To the spring, the Football Oversight Committee recommended an eight-game season. We're going to talk about the Pac-12. They have new COVID-19 tests. Clemson leads the polls in the ACC to win the conference. Notre Dame is second. We're going to break down Saturday and Monday college football for you today. We'll talk UFC fight night. We're going to get into everything. Messi is staying at Barcelona, even though he doesn't want to. Serena against Sloane Stevens tomorrow. NFL pain day news. You're going to get it all on this 
SportsGrid.com. Betting insights and entertainment at your fingertips 24-7 as our team covers the most important topics in sports wagering. Real-time odds, predictive betting models, expert picks, and more. Want the edge? Then get on the grid. SportsGrid.com. Have you written a book and need some insight into what comes next? Or are you passionate about cooking and want to know how to make it your career? Or maybe you just want to hear insider stories about the entertainment industry. Either way, we've got you covered with the Two Guys from Hollywood podcast. I'm Alan Nevins, a literary agent and talent manager. And I'm Joey Santos, a columnist and celebrity chef. And on our podcast, Two Guys from Hollywood, we bring our expertise to the table with, of course, delicious cocktails and all kinds of recipes for you to try at home. So grab a drink and join us. We've got a wide range of celebrity guests and Hollywood insiders to discuss pop culture, publishing, and entertainment. And we'll provide you with an unfiltered and sometimes brutally honest show about Hollywood. As we like to say, we don't dish, we serve. Listen and follow Two Guys from Hollywood on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you listen to podcasts. We'll talk at you soon. All right, uh, coast to coast, back with you, Pharrell. Uh, so anyway, uh, this game's underway already. A minute in, Colorado's almost scored on Dallas, but they didn't. And uh, now a power play for Dallas on a trip. So uh, they're about 25%, the Dallas power play, uh, 78% on the kill for Colorado. Colorado has dominated Dallas these last two games to force this game seven. We'll see what happens here today. All right, Mavia, let's start it up with some NBA rack on a pain-free Friday. What a game to start off with, Sky. To last night in the early game, we had, of course, the Raptors and the Celtics. Celtics with a huge 2 0 lead. The Raptors looking just to get a game and get back in the series. Otherwise, it's pretty much good night, Irene, if you go down 3 0. And late, it looked like the Celtics were going to pull it off again in a back and forth affair. You got Kemba Walker making the no look pass for the dunk to put the Celtics up two. But then on the deep inbounds play, you get this from Ananobi on ESPN. Toronto able to advance it here. Kyle Lowry is going to have to inbound against Taco Fall. Wow. Kyle Lowry at not even six feet. Boston is going to zone up here on the side out of bounds. They're going to be switching everything back here. Marcus Smart's going to stay up high, taking anybody coming to the ball. Series on the line. Yeah, Stan's got to uh, chill out a little bit there. Uh, Dallas on the board with the power play goal. So uh, it, just the whole thing was chaos. Lowry throws it cross court. I got to tell you, when he was standing there on the sideline, I saw Ananobi standing by himself like he was over there having a smoke in the corner uh, outside the bar, right? Like the guy just was left unscathed. There was nobody within 15 feet of him. They threw it over fall. He catches it, shot it, buried it. It was unbelievable. I thought the most amazing part of the play was how Brown was able to react defensively for the Celtics. And he jumped over to try to block the shot like Harden did on that last play against the Thunder. And I mean to tell you, Brown was 13 feet in the air. Like his arm, his hand was so high in the sky. 
He was above the rim. He was three feet past it, and he almost blocked that shot. I mean, I could not believe the hops that I saw Brown get off on. He flew through the air like he was superhuman. It was unbelievable. Ananobi had to teardrop that shot. He shot it straight up in the air. It looked on its way on television like it was going to hit the back of the rim or at least the inside of the back of the rim, and it could have bounced out. But it went down, and they needed that like nobody's business. It was an unbelievable play. I thought the Celtics did everything in that game, Mafia, to win all of their shots the last two minutes were dunks. They were all inside of two feet or a dunk. Mm -hmm. The last play to give them the lead to Tice was a dunk from Walker. I thought Brown's dunk was incredible. Uh, Every single play was a dunk. I mean, Williams had a dunk. They were all doing it. His was a baseline dunk. I mean, I thought the Raptors played terrible defense in the last two minutes. They are so lucky to win that game. It's not even funny. I am telling you, Boston is in their head. I don't care if they lost that game. Boston has played better in all three games, hands down. They uh, cannot shake Boston. Toronto can't get a lead of more than four points, six points at best. And then the minute they do, they're down four. They don't know what to do with the Celtics because they got four guys pouring it in and they don't know how to stop them. You're right. The Celtics did just about everything right to win that game. The only thing they did wrong was somehow leave Anobi wide open. OG by himself. You saw it. So many people on TV saw it. But somehow the Celtics didn't see it and they don't know how it happened according to Kemba Walker. I don't really know. I kind of wasn't even watching just because I was nervous that something like that might happen. So, yeah, I don't really know. Just I'm, I'm going to have to watch the film and, you know, see what happened. We got to get it right for the next time because you never know. You know, it's playoff basketball, man. Um, got to finish the games out and we can be in another situation like that again. So, you know. And I guess they were so worried about everyone else hitting shots that they didn't really prepare for OG getting in there and getting that shot and getting it off in that incredible short amount of time. But he knew it was going to go down once he got his hand on the ball. Yeah, I made a some in high school. And did I know I was in when I released it? Yeah. It felt good. So shooters touch, you know, once the guy knows he comes off his hand, he knows it's going in. According to OG, he knew that was going in. And, of course, Brad Stevens was upset that his team lost that game. But they got another game coming up. They're still up 2-1 in this series. They can't let it get them down. He says they got to focus and, you know, get past this and move on to the next game. I mean, they're a really good team that we're playing against. They're tough, smart. Um, You know, they put you on your heels, you know. But uh, I thought our guys really competed, really fought. I thought that we looked, um, both teams left it all out there tonight in a great game. And it hurts and it stings to lose. Um, But we'll just get back to it and get ready for Saturday. So I know that, um, you know, uh, Van Vliet had a big game, 25. I know Lowry had 31. I didn't think anybody else did anything. I thought uh, Gasol looked really slow and out of place, uh, not able to react to Boston's attacking the basket. Uh, He fell for all those uh, no-look bounce pass dunks. He didn't know what to do. He couldn't stop him at all. I didn't think Toronto looked good in the game whatsoever. And I'm just telling you, Van Vliet opened his mouth, too, after the game. He's like, uh, they've opened up basically the door for us, and now they better watch out because now that we know what we can do, they're in trouble. And I don't agree at all. I think Boston uh, has shown 
that they're the better team, Mafia. I mean, they they have outplayed them in every single game. They had that game won last night. Uh, that was a miracle play. And I can't even believe they pulled it off because as I was watching the game, the whole time I said to myself, and I think I said this to you on Farrell and Avenge last night, I was just like, the whole time I watched the game, I, I kept saying, Toronto can't beat this team. This team owns them. It doesn't matter what they try. It doesn't work. Celtics do whatever they want. I mean, when all you do is shoot dunks and two-foot shots and little turnaround jumpers from seven, eight feet, that's, that's money, man. Those are high-percentage shots. They're not worrying about shooting threes. The game before that, Smart hit five threes. This game, they shot a bunch of layups and dunks. Well, listen, whether it's the open threes or the wide open ducks, the, you know, the plays on the Raptors right now, their defense seems to be off. They don't know what they're doing. It seems like they're losing guys, and every time someone tries to help, you know, the other guy's not switching off. You're just getting open guys, whether, like you said, Smart being wide open for threes, Tice being wide open for dunks. You know, no matter what game, it's a different situation on who's getting open. But there's always seemed to be someone open for the, uh, the Celtics here in this series so far. So the Raptors really need to start locking down on defense like they did before earlier in the bubble. And one team that did lock down on defense was the Clippers. Now, the game started off well for the Nuggets. They had that little burst of energy coming off that game seven. It was even tied up after the first quarter. But the Clippers completely locked things down in the second quarter and just blew the doors off the Nuggets. And here's Mike Malone talking about how that second quarter changed things. Now, their last game was on Sunday, uh, and we had our last game on Tuesday night and didn't get back to the hotel till after midnight. Um, you know, I liked our first quarter. You know, I, I thought offensively it was great to see Gary come out aggressive, Jeremy come out and be aggressive. Uh, but the game was lost in that second quarter. Uh, obviously, they outscored us 38-20, to 20, and they closed that second quarter on a 23-11 to 11 run. And against that team, you know, if you're playing from behind, uh, it's going to be really, really hard to do that. I mean, honestly, Mafia, this team is so much better than the Nuggets. It's not even funny. And here's the deal. I told you going into the game they'd get whacked. I also told you they couldn't deal with uh, Zubats and Harrell. Uh, they have too much size. They have too much talent. They have too much bench. They have too much scoring with Lou Williams doing whatever he wants. They can't stop Kawhi Leonard at all. Uh, Paul George barely has to do anything. Shamit gets off shots. Uh, they don't have an answer. They have one guy that can score and another that has big nights, but then uh, the next night he won't do anything. Like, Jokic had the huge game to win game seven against Utah, but he didn't do anything last night. Murray didn't do anything. That's because the Clippers are uh, – they're at least three times the team as the Nuggets, in my opinion. In fact, honestly, I swear to God, I, I think they might even sweep them. They very well could, and we'll see how that series goes. And we'll talk about tonight's games when we come back. But before we get out of there, John Morant runs away with Rookie of the Year, gets all but one first-place vote. And the NBA ratings actually up since the boycott. Unlike the NFL, where things went down after they started taking knee, some of the highest-rated games have been since the boycott happened in the NBA. I don't believe that's because of the boycott. I believe that's because the games have been ratcheted up. They're more important. Game six is game sevens. That's why. SportsGrid.com. Betting insights and entertainment at your fingertips 24-7 as our team covers the most important topics in sports wagering. Real-time odds, predictive betting models, expert picks, and more. Want the edge? Then get on the grid. SportsGrid.com. All right, my man, Cam, let me ask you. First of all, uh, I, I can't believe the number you just threw out for Vegas for this Game oh. 7 tonight after they have oh, had yeah. their asses impaled in these last two games by Vancouver. How in God's name are they at 240 
I mean, you got to be kidding me. Well, the thing is, Scott, if you if you look at the domination, it's just they're killing these guys in shots. But uh, Thatcher Demko, the second string goaltender, standing on his head. They just believe Vegas is a better team. The thing is, if this kid's in the zone right now, that's a problem. Vegas should be laying about a buck eighty in this game at my sports book at Stewart and Pharrell. I don't know what you'd have it at, but anything over two dollars is ludicrous because this goaltender's hot right now and they're playing for him. So I think Vegas has dominated the games, and now they have a question mark: Who's going to play? Is it Leonard or Flurry? Because Leonard, he's let in a couple cheap ones, and we know about Marc-Andre Fleury. He's done it before. So, yeah, all the pressure's on Vegas tonight. You said it, man. Like, this team, I think they're the better team than Vancouver, and I was wrong the last game, but I'm telling you, that number is out of whack. So I bet on Vegas, and I got to tell you, yep. I may have to check my undies because I'm scared to death to bet <laughs> on them tonight. I have, I have no faith in them at all to win this game tonight. None. Zero. Yeah, I got them in a parlay uh, with uh, with the Lakers there, Scotty. It's like even money, like plus one hundred two, and I'm I'm worried. That's the thing. They just they could outshoot these guys fifty five to twenty and lose the game. That's the thing. These these guys have to finish. But I will say, Vegas is a deeper team. They're a better team. Let's give the Canucks credit though. A couple of years ago, they were the laughing stock of the NHL. Now they're one of the better teams. Trevor Linden and his group has done a fantastic job in Vancouver, and they believe they can win. All right, so one-one right now in this game. Uh, you know they got the power play goal, Rajalov, and then yep. right after that, Colorado tied it off uh, at once. What do you think of this game seven? Well, first of all, I can't believe they're playing it right now, and second of all, what do you like uh, the way Colorado played in games five and six? You're absolutely right, Scott. What, what, what the hell are you doing, NHL? Like, you know, you can't have a Friday and Saturday game. And you're also, the night game with Vegas is competing against the Lakers in Houston. Womp, womp, dumb. These guys, I know you want to rush them out of the bubble. I know you want to rush these guys out of the bubble, you you bunch of numbnuts. But you know what? You can't have a game seven at 4 o'clock in the afternoon, 1 p.m. Pacific time. Colorado just scored. It's 2-1. to one. We're on the over. I will say, Scotty, these guys are turkeys running this thing. Me and Gabe used to say, you know, they put the schedule after about 30 scotches at the Brass Rail Street. Club, come on, guys! It's a game seven. Figure it out. We can we can go an extra day, can't we, Scott? <laughs> the brass rail. <laughs> the I think they have five hundred sixteen five hundred sixteen strippers with COVID. Uh oh. <laughs> All right, listen. All right, I'll talk to you next hour, Cam. Good stuff. All right, uh, two one Rado. They've taken the lead. Snapper from the uh, left circle. A little. Um, Burakovsky wrist shot inside the far post, right over to Glove, just like he did him. He beat him like a rented mule. All right, uh, Mafia, let's break down these uh, NBA games tonight. Uh, first one up uh, is Bucks and Heat again, right? Yeah, that will be first up. I'm disappointed right now about this early game because I didn't jump in on it like I had before. It was with it getting ready for the show. I used to jump in a couple times in the series on the over one and a half for the first period and both teams scoring in the first period. It's been pretty good odds. We missed out on this one for sure. But moving over to the NBA, like you said, we got two games tonight. Up early first is game three between the Bucks and Heat at 6.30 p.m. Do you think Giannis and company uh, get a game here, or are they in deep trouble? I think they're in deep trouble with this Miami team uh, in trying to even win a game. Uh, every game they play, the Heat have dominated. Uh, I thought the end of that game was a freak show. They got back in with that crappy call and Middleton's three free throws. And then we all know what happened. Uh, the Heat end up stealing the game uh, with the uh, Jimmy Buckets free throws on another terrible call. Look, I think Miami's definitely in their heads. 
four and one against them, whatever it is uh, this season. They know how to beat them. They play better than them. They shoot better than them. The Heat play better defense than them. There's no way I can't grab that five points. I I'm scared to death to bet the Bucks on the money line, and I'm gonna do it. But I like the Heat with the number at five. Middle it. Yeah. I think I'm with you there. I think I feel much more comfortable with some of these prop bets that you might get instead of the game straight up. And it's, you know, especially Brooke Lopez with uh, your boy Bam Adebayo all over Giannis. He's getting some open looks here. You get him over 14 and a half for points. You get him over one and a half made threes. You know, uh, he's got a lot of good prop bets. If you want to jump on Brooke Lopez, getting a little extra room here with the uh, smaller guys defending him. But then game two tonight, Lakers and the Rockets. Will the size be the problem for Houston or will small ball rain here? Well, I mean, obviously, it's going to come down to uh, can the Rockets hit their shots because they're going to chuck 53s. And uh, the bottom line is there's no way that they can do anything, in my opinion, on the glass except uh, stick the rump out. you got to block out physically, uh, stick the keister out, drive it into the body. Because, uh, you know, McGee, Howard, and, and Davis are going to destroy them on the boards, in my opinion. So the size is going to be a factor. I think the Lakers can do whatever they want in the blocks, in the paint, uh, down low, on the baseline. LeBron's a problem outside and inside. Uh, the Lakers are, are better than the Rockets. That's all there is to it. But if the Rockets can get hot shooting uh, the pill, and if Westbrook can get to the 10 with speed and challenge those trees and get to the line, I think the Rockets can cover the six and a half. I still think the Lakers win. All right, we're going to move over to the baseball diamond now, and the Yankees finally get some help off of the injured list as Gleyber Torres comes off for uh, these games this weekend after being out for a couple of days with the uh, leg injury on Sunday. But last night, it definitely didn't help them. They could have used the help because they were up big while we were doing the show. And then little by little as the show went on, you talked about them starting to blow that lead. And it went full circle when J.D. Davis got a home run in the bottom of the ninth, tied for the Mets. And then they went to extra innings, and the polar bear came out to play. That's driven deep down the left field line toward the stand. Listen, I'm starting to think uh, seriously, uh, and I said this on the show maybe yesterday, at least last night on Verona Events on Sports Grid Radio Overnights, that I think that uh, I blame for this Yankee disaster that it's turning into this season because they're falling apart. Uh, they don't, they're not winning the World Series. Uh, this team just isn't good. And it's because of Aaron Judge and Giancarlo Stanton's peanut brittle asses. Those two guys are so injured every year. They never play. And when two of the biggest bats in baseball, there's no denying that they're studs. There's no denying that they're great hitters. And uh, when they're in the lineup, they are evil. But the fact is they never play. So when your two star players never play and you're playing all these hacks, these Aaron Hickses and all these guys like Ford and all these guys, when, when Torres is out and LeMahieu was out, all they've done is lose. Now they got LeMahieu back, Torres back. Things might get a little more normal. But, you know, Sanchez has slumped the whole season. You got these old guys like Gardy. This is just not a good team. Their pitching's been disastrous. Even Garrett Cole's been getting lit up with home runs left and right every time he pitches. The Yankees are going nowhere. They're going nowhere. So the Dodgers are the best team in baseball. The Yankees 
aren't even close, not even close to being the best team in the American League. It's not even worth discussing anymore. The Yankees are middle of the road. They are right in the middle of the pack in baseball. They don't even matter. The Padres are better than the Yankees. I could name five other teams that are better than the Yankees right now, and that includes in the American League. The White Sox are better. The Twins are better. Now, I know that the Yankees always beat the Twins in the playoffs. That's neither here nor there. This year, there's going to be 50 teams in the playoffs, so they're not going to face the Twins right away like they always do in the Bronx and win every game. The Yankees are in big trouble. Even the Mets kicked their ass, and the Mets suck. Yeah, the Mets did kick their ass. Now they'll go down to play Philadelphia, who's in the opposite direction of the Yankees. They were doing pretty bad for a while there, and then Bryce Harper said, we got to turn around. we got to get better. we got to win like 9 out of 10 to get back in this. Well, yesterday, they came back and tied it up in the bottom of the eighth. And then walk it off of the 10th to win their ninth of 10. So they come in very hot against the Mets. And Bryce Harper said they could get even better than they're playing right now. You know, being able to go out there and do what we've done. Um, I mean, I guess what they have done as a team. Because um, I feel like I haven't done anything right now um, in the 10 games. But um, as a team, I think we've gone out there and played to the best of our ability. Um, and we can still get better. And I think that's the beautiful thing about this game. I think that's the thing about this team that I love is that we can go out there and, you know, play this game and, and win ball games and win 9 out of 10. And, you know, we got a four-game set against the Mets, and they're a good team. But I think we can go in there and do the same thing. Well, look, they're playing fantastic baseball, so I'm sure the Mets will go down there and screw that up. Is that the Mets are playing the Phillies? They are. Uh, yeah, I like the Phillies in that series, the way they've been playing. Uh, the Mets, uh, you know, the only team the Mets play well against is the Yankees. I don't know if you've noticed that. Everyone else, they stink. And so uh, I think the Phillies will take care of them this weekend. I know the Twins already won the first game of that doubleheader today against the Tigers. I took the Twins in game one. I took Detroit in game two. I know later when we have more time, Mafia, we can go through all these other you know, there's 20 games on the schedule, and I got a lot of picks I want to give out, so we'll come back and do that. Uh, I know you got some other baseball stuff here before we get to the break, and then we'll come back and talk to uh, Shane for uh, hockey. Yeah, speaking of big names, come back. Uh, your boy Acuna uh, Jr. came back for the, the Phillies today. Also, Clayton Kershaw had a record-setting, well, not record-setting, but for him, he reached 2,500 strikeouts last night. His game moves into 38th place now while he wins in that game. And uh, Mike Clevenger had a nice start the Padres in his first day out in San Diego, but did not win, gets out-dueled by the uh, Angels' Andrew Haney and loses his first game. What do you think of that? Well, yeah, uh, first of all, Acuna is with the Braves. They're up one nothing in that uh, game against the Nationals. And then as far as uh, Clevenger, look, he did everything that he always does, Moff. He's an ERA specialist. He doesn't allow runs. He gives up two runs. I think Haney just pitched better than he did. Haney had a gem last yeah. night. The Angels are awful. They win about once every two weeks at best. I mean, they are they are terrible. They're atrocious. But Haney had the game of his life to beat Clevenger. Clevenger is going to be fantastic for the Padres. If he goes out and gives up two runs or less every time out, those are DeGrom-type numbers. SportsGrid.com. Betting insights and entertainment at your fingertips 24-7 as our team covers the most important topics in sports wagering. Real-time odds, predictive betting models, expert picks, and more. Want the edge? Then get on the grid. SportsGrid.com. Hey, everyone. It's Michelle Williams, and I love being able to share my story with you on my podcast, Checking In with Michelle Williams, where my guests and I get real as we share the ups and downs of our mental health journeys, and I'd love for you to join me. 
I'm still on my own journey, but I want to be transparent with you because as I was posting all the highlights of my life on social media, I was breaking down and too many people fall victim to the picture perfect image of the high life. So I created a space to discuss the good and the bad. We can laugh, man. We, we going to learn. And most of all, I hope to inspire you to go on this journey with me to better mental health. This is going to be your church, your turn up and everything in between. So join me on my podcast, Checking In with Michelle Williams, a safe space for every kind of person. Listen to Checking In with Michelle Williams every Tuesday, a part of the Black Effect on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. All right, so uh, Colorado 2-1 on Dallas with four and change left in the first period. I still cannot even fathom that they started a game seven at one o'clock Edmonton time, four o'clock Eastern. Why in God's name would you have not played that game at the very least at six o'clock Eastern? Who cares if the Bucks are on? They've looked terrible. You could have had back-to-back games at 6 and 9.30-ish, whatever, and play into the night. There's not a soul on earth that's as much of a sucker as I am to be watching this hockey game right now. They, I, the ratings for this game will be a 0.0 Bluto. Like, are you kidding me? Whose idea was that at the league office? Here, let's put the game on at 4, 1 o'clock West. No one in the West Coast, a lot. People in Vancouver aren't even watching the game. I mean, unbelievable. It really is backward ass. I don't understand that at all. You can't sell. How, how much time does it take to clean the ice off? Five hours? The Zamboni guy, is he, on, is he smoking sour diesel, driving around in circles? All right. Uh, it's uh, time to talk about this next game tonight, which is going to be incredible. Uh, Dave Shane writes for the Vegas Review Journal, and it's a big night at Game 7. Dave, thanks a lot for coming on Coast to Coast. It's good to see you. Uh, I know uh, you have to have some kind of uh, reservations about because I took Vegas and Tampa the whole season to meet in the finals. I went to see him play at T-Mobile that night. They scored 11 goals, and I said, these are the two best teams in the NHL. It was unbelievable watching that game that night. Vegas won that game, but I still thought Tampa uh, was unbelievable in that game. I know you were there. Uh, are you worried about this team tonight after what Demko has done to them? Yeah, I mean, I wasn't a few days ago. It seemed like that was kind of the collision course once Tampa got past Boston. And there's another stage, but those two teams clearly seem to be the best ones. Colorado seemed to kind of be losing the war of attrition with the goalies and all that. And then all of a sudden it flipped. Uh, Thatcher Demko comes in, stands on his head, as you know, all of his hockey writers like to say. And it's completely changed the series to the point now where this game seven is, I mean, short term. There's implications, but long term, because of the Golden Knights goaltending situation, uh, I mean, this could this could set up a lot for the future. I got to ask you, Dave, uh, if you're DeBoer, what are you doing tonight in goal? Because I thought Leonard looked really bad the other night. And I got to tell you, he doesn't have three Stanley Cup rings. He doesn't have what uh, Marc-Andre Fleury has. And remember, Fleury's the one that took him to the Stanley Cup final in their first season. I know you can't go back to that, but you know what? I will, because he's the better goalie in big games. He's got three Stanley Cups. His name is engraved on Lord Stanley, and no one will ever remember Robin Leonard because he doesn't have any hardware. I go with uh, Fleury tonight. I'm sure they won't. 
it's so many layers to this story. I mean, you have to go back to like the tweet that Alan Walsh sent his agent, because I think that factors into all this too. I think it complicates the decision. I think, you know, maybe if you're Pete DeBoer, you don't have that hanging over your head. If you're trying to figure out, do I want to go back to the face of the franchise for a game seven? Do I want to go down swinging with Marc-Andre Fleury in, in the nets? Or do I want to basically hitch my wagon to Robin Leonard? who we don't know if he's going to be back next season. He was supposed to be a rental. He came in in February. And really, that's where this all stems from. I mean, they brought him in. They kind of sold it as insurance, as they weren't convinced that Malcolm Subban as the backup could provide you know wins in the postseason if something happened to Marc-Andre Fleury. They brought in Robin Leonard, and then essentially what happens is he outplays Marc-Andre Fleury at the end of the season, during training camp, and then through the round robin. They kind of brought this all on to themselves, and it's it's such an interesting dilemma. I don't know which way Pete, uh, Pete DeBoer is going to go. If it's me, and I said this on our Review Journal podcast, I think Marc-Andre Fleury played his last game in Game 4. I don't think we're going to see him in a Golden Knights uniform between the, the pipes again. So if it's me, I'm going with Robin Leonard. I have to say that uh, Leonard has been that guy, uh, that rental in, uh, frankly, Long Island, Chicago, now Vegas, and I don't deny Robin Leonard's a really good goalie. But you know what he's done, in my view, Dave? They've uh, He set himself up to be very rich next year because he's going to get a starting gig and he's going to make fat money that he's never seen before in his life because he's been a rental. This is his chance to be a star number one goalie and get paid millions of dollars. But I have to tell you, um, you said it. They, they, he outplayed him, everything else. But he's a rental, and then they bring him in. He takes the gig over. I have to tell you, uh, you watched him play these last couple games. He looked terrible. They owned him. They ate him alive. You can't tell me he's not worried about that Vancouver team tonight. You start him in goal, you might regret it forever. And you might not even Especially. sign him again. Yeah, especially if he gives up one early, if you get behind the same way that they did in game six. You know, there's some psychological stuff. If you're playing Marc-Andre Fleury, maybe you figure, you know, they're going to play. I don't know what I can say if this is a family show or whatever. They're going to play hard. I'm, I, You know, there's other phrases for that. But they're going to play hard for Marc-Andre Fleury. And if, if you don't feel like they played well in game six, if they did, you feel like maybe they coasted a little bit in game five, you would get a reaction out of them if you put Marc-Andre Fleury in the net. Now, there's also just consider how much rust does Marc-Andre Fleury have at this point? He's played, what, two, three games, I think, in the last month, 28 days, whatever it might be. So is it a fair situation to expect him to ride in on the white horse and, and to basically rescue your season in a game seven when he hasn't played a whole lot? I don't know. Uh, those are why those coaches make a whole lot of money, and I'm just writing about it. It's a tough decision. But, you know, the other thing, like you mentioned with Robin Leonard, is what is his future with the Golden Knights? And if he's looking at them potentially as as the team where he's, as you say, gets rich, you know, what does it say that they don't start him in game seven? Because really, ultimately, yeah, yeah. Robin Leonard, I think, wants to go somewhere where they're going to commit to him. He's been on one-year contracts for the last, I think, three years, going into right. un unrestricted free agency for the fourth straight year. So he wants somebody to commit to him. And if you're the Golden Knights and you go somewhere else in game seven, how's that going to make him feel? And the Golden Knights then run the risk of going in next season without Flurry and without Leonard. 
then they're screwed. You're right. And I always yep. said, I, I thought I thought that uh, Flurry would go to like Edmonton or Calgary uh, next year for the end of his career. Uh, they could both use help uh, dramatically. I think they should give Leonard a deal. But let me ask you this, beyond the goaltending, because that's really what matters tonight. But, uh, you know, I thought in that third period when they won 5-3, when they were down 3-2 and they scored the three goals, that's the Vegas night team that I – bet on that I expect to see every night that the fans have gotten used to. They're a really good team who has got to step up tonight. You know, Pacioretty, all these guys, Carlson, uh, everyone, who do you think has to really take their game to the next level? Because these last two nights, it seemed like all they did was skate around and shoot, but they didn't really play any good hockey. Yeah. Mark Stone, a hundred percent. You know, he's the guy making 9.5 million. He's the guy that everybody thinks is, probably going to be named captain going into this year. And he's been quiet the last couple of games. I don't think he's had a shot uh, on goal at five on five in the last couple of games. He's the guy that, that sort of, you know, to use the phrase stirs the drink and all that sort of stuff. He's the emotional leader. He's the guy that this team rallies behind in terms of the skaters, you know, in net, it was always Marc-Andre Fleury, but Mar uh, when Mark Stone came in, he's the guy that that's really been, the emotional heartbeat, and he's been too quiet. You you pay these guys nine point five million, you know, for these moments. And if there's somebody that has to show up, whether it's creating a goal, whether it's scoring it himself, whether it's laying a big hit, it absolutely needs to be Mark Stone that's driving this bus tonight for the Golden Knights. What do you think of uh, this Vancouver team? Uh, you've been watching this series. I'm stunned at, at what I'm watching. I mean uh, the. The last two games, I didn't even recognize that team that I was watching skating circles around Vegas. I mean, they were just killing them. So what do you think of them? I mean, they have been impressive. Their future is very bright. I know their goalie situation now looks like they got the same problem. Demko is going to be the guy, and it looks like Markstrom's going to go get paid somewhere else. Yeah, that does kind of look like what's uh, what's developed over these last couple of games. They were sort of the the you know the the team on the rise, I guess, not the sleeping giant, but the team everybody has kind of you know been expecting to to come. You know, Elias Pettersson and Quinn Hughes have have really emerged, and you know they're a deeper, little better version than what the Knights saw against the Blackhawks. I think early on the Knights were able to push the Canucks around. Really bully him. Um, you remember that first game, Ryan Reese is out there, you know, clucking like a chicken at Antoine Roussel. They're stick tapping on the bench when Antoine Roussel comes out of the penalty box. They seem to be much more, you know, emotionally involved and really kind of bullying the Canucks in, in those first, those first two, or at least two of the first three games. And then the Canucks high end skill has really seemed to take over. They've sat back a little bit, kind of played a little bit of rope a dope and really relied on their goaltender who's been just incredibly hot the last couple of games, but they've gotten timely goal scoring. Elise Pedersen is an elite player. JT Miller is a guy who's, you know, a playmaker. There was a one point he assisted on six straight goals and Quinn Hughes is going to be a guy that we talk about for the Norris trophy for the next 10, 12 years, at least in game six, those guys, you know, were a factor and, and going forward tonight, that's who the, the golden Knights really need to eliminate. And when they've done that, that's when they've been successful. We've seen JT Miller play a lot in the East Coast in New York, and he reminds me of Hayes from Philly, you know, yeah. that kind of a player. Uh, I think he's been huge for them all year. 
Uh, and he's been that guy, that leader that, that you talk about stone being, I think Miller's been that guy for Vancouver. I don't think anyone saw this coming in the NHL circles, David, uh, that this team, uh, people knew that they had youth and talent and speed, but I don't think anyone thought for one minute that they would be able to take on this powerhouse in Vegas. Let's face facts. The Vegas golden Knights, over the last three years, have you know been one of the best teams, if not the best team in the NHL. I know they lost in the final, but then they they got burned by the refs in the second year, and now they're back to being badass. They don't look badass right now, but JT Miller's one of those guys that uh, seems to be a mosquito for them on their neck. I love that phrase. That's a great phrase. But yeah, absolutely. And, you know, the I remember the acquisition was criticized that, you know, the Canucks gave up too much for JT Miller. And, you know, he's a guy that that they've been, you know, when they run that lotto line out there with Elias Pettersson, Brock Besser and JT Miller, and it frees up Bo Horvat, you know, to play on a different line, match up differently. You know, they've presented problems and JT Miller has kind of made them deeper. He's he's freed up Elias Pettersson and he's freed up all those other guys to do things. It's it's amazing in hockey how you kind of add one little drop to the vial, one ingredient, and it sort of filters down. It changes one line, and then that affects the second line. You know, it has a domino effect on the third line. At least until game six, the Canucks hadn't had a goal from their bottom six, and then they got one from Jake Vertanen to open that game. So I'm sure they're feeling confident that all of a sudden, you know, they're able to roll four lines. They're able to get production. And, you know, if the Golden Knights don't have an answer, which, you know, for a couple of these games, they haven't seemed to be able to do, especially in game two. If, if the Canucks come out and play like that, I mean, we could see an upset, which, you know, like I said earlier, just four or five days ago, absolutely didn't seem possible. It's, it's bizarre that we've gotten in this situation like right. 2020, right? That's the only explanation this year. It's crazy. Hey, listen, you guys have done a great job. I just wanted to say uh, I'm in Vegas a lot. You know that I'm there for all the fights. I go to a lot of hockey games. I love Las Vegas, lived there twice. I think the Review Journal's done an incredible job covering uh, the NHL and the Vegas Golden Knight. You do a great job. Keep it up. Enjoy the game tonight. Keep bringing everyone in Las Vegas great hockey coverage. I think it's fantastic for the sport and for everyone that lives in the uh, Vegas area. I love it. It's a fantastic arena it's the best in in uh, the nhl bar night it's a great scene thanks for coming on coast to coast david enjoy the game tonight that's awesome for you for you to say that i appreciate that scott thanks for having me on david shane uh from the review journal in vegas getting ready for the knights and canucks tonight nine o'clock on nbc sports network sportsgrid.com betting insights and entertainment at your fingertips 24 7 as our team covers the most important topics in sports wagering real-time odds predictive betting models expert picks and more want the edge then get on the grid sportsgrid.com all right so uh fan question time you can do it too just uh tweet us at pharrell on grid uh so Jan in Chicago writes, Pharrell, what's wrong with all these ex-MVPs like Altuve, Chris Bryant, and Yelich having terrible years? Well, I think the uh, situation is, uh, at the very least, uh, the Brewers aren't playing good ball. There's no doubt about it. But frankly, the Cubs are and the Astros are, and they've done it with all kinds of injuries. I think the Bryant situation, hitting 178 is clear. It's his wrist. I think uh, the fact that he's not hitting, uh, you know, 180 uh, with a couple of uh, RBIs here or there 
Uh, it's because of his injury. And then Altuve, I think, has uh, had nothing but problems this year because he cheats. Uh, and that home run that he had off of Chapman's because he knew the pitch was coming. And all of his greatness is because he's been cheating for the last three years. Now that he's not cheating, uh, this is what you get from the little five-foot fella hitting 224. And then because karma's a B, it's bit him in the keister. Because he blew out his leg the other night, and now he's injured. So I'm glad that he's hitting 224 and not driving in any runs. And in fact, while I'm at it, I hope the rest of them on that team get injured while he's injured. So they can be injured together. I don't have anything against Chris Bryant, great Vegas kid. I hope he gets back. His wrist is banging up. Yelich has been atrocious. The Brewers have been atrocious. So all of that's happening. I mean, the Brewers were one of the best teams in baseball last year, and they've been really stinky this year. So they uh, they have to get back to normalcy and winning, and they got to do what the Phillies did and win 9 of 10 to turn their season around. I don't see it from the Brewers. It's unbelievable. But the Astros and Cubs, at the end of the day, they're both going to be in the playoffs. And what they want, the Cubs, is hopefully to get Bryant back. I think Altuve will get back. Uh, he just won't be able to cheat anymore uh, because everybody's all over the Astros. But it couldn't happen to better people, those cheating liar hacks in Houston. Have a nice day, Romeo. SportsGrid.com. Betting insights and entertainment at your fingertips 24-7 as our team covers the most important topics in sports wagering. Real-time odds, predictive betting models, expert picks, and more. Want the edge? Then get on the grid. SportsGrid.com. Hey, everyone. It's Michelle Williams, and I love being able to share my story with you on my podcast, Checking In with Michelle Williams, where my guests and I, we get real as we share the ups and downs of our mental health journeys, and I'd love for you to join me. Hey, it's going to be your church and your turn up. So listen to Checking In with Michelle Williams every Tuesday, a part of the Black Effect on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts.